Jeff, you are back. This is going to be a shorter episode because we have a longer episode, or not a longer episode, we have a secondary VIP episode that will be dropping. Right. And we also have some big news by way of podcasting. Uh, Logan Fano is officially a member of the Give Em Hell Brigham family. He is. He is a member of the, he is officially a Hellion and I think we're going to try to get him on here a few times. I think it's going to be kind of similar to what I think uh, Mitch had his thing with KSL, getting Jaron on once a week during the season. So maybe not that often, but we're going to get Logan on here a few times. I, I think we're going to get him on at least once a month. And it's going to be better than what you're used to. Because, you know, Jaron goes on a podcast and... It's a lot of talking about like, oh, what's the team doing? What's the football doing? What's the this and that and this and that? And you get pretty vanilla answers. I don't care much about that. I'm being honest. And I don't think you should care either. Not you, Garrett. You, the collective listeners. Because it's all surface level bullshit. So we are going to get to know Logan. We are going to basically help give Logan a platform to let us into the psyche of Logan Fano, the football player. One of the things that, that I want to talk about with him in our first episode, I hope is what it's like. Okay. Let me paint you a picture. You've seen the movie, a Cinderella story. Yeah. With Lizzie McGuire, Lizzie McGuire with Hillary Duff. Yes. Uh, speaking of Hillary Duff, has your Twitter forced you to look at her on the cover of women's health magazine? Uh, no, it has not. Uh, she's not Lizzie McGuire anymore. And it, I, I, I don't think I can explain more. Okay. <laughs> my goodness. It was. Whoo! Uh, okay. So Cinderella story. She dates like the, the cool dude football player. Right. And the cool dude football player, he's the quarterback. And it's like, he's the popular kid. And he's the one who's getting recruited by all the places. And he's like the guy, right? Right. And, And that's very standard for Hollywood. But as I think in my life, I think of a guy like Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper, from the time he was like 15 years old, was destined to baseball greatness. But if you listen to Bryce Harper talk about his high school days, all he did was baseball. I want to know, because I know what it takes to become an elite level athlete. You got to work way harder than I ever wanted to work. So I want to talk to Logan about what it was like to be an elite level athlete in high school, because I don't think that it's the stereotypical, like you're the cool popular guy that, you know, maybe it is, but I also think you're spending a hell of a lot of time doing football. You don't really have a lot of time to do anything else. Right. And I want to talk to him about that, but we'll do it in a very give them hell, bring them fashion. So I'm working with uh, Logan, excited. Um, Logan knows everybody too, right? The other thing we could talk to him about is why the hell he hasn't forced his brother to commit already. You know, obviously we're going to get into that. So that is something I want to know. Lots of exciting things in the pipeline with Logan Fano. Very exciting show later on with, uh, have we said with, with who it's with? We have not yet said who it is with. Um, is this like a surprise? Or was that on purpose? Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it should be. Okay. 
maybe, I mean, it, it's going to be basketball related. By the time people even listen to this, they're probably going to see both of them at the same time. So maybe that's fine. Okay. So it's with uh, Robbie. It's with Robbie. And, I mean, I know that's not like Jimmer, but like he's kind of the Jimmer of Robbie or of basketball news. It's true. It is nobody. What like Jimmer was that the KD two Jimmer for dead is the greatest score of all time. Yeah. Robbie McCombs is the greatest college basketball reporter of all time. Uh, amen. That's all there is to say. Garrett, it's been two weeks since I've been on the show. I realized that this week. It's been two. It has like it has been a whirlwind. Like we we need to apologize because we have been slacking. Like it's we, we have much stuff as we had. I was out because we moved and then I was doing a solo episode in San Francisco last week. And then because of that, I was in meetings from like, I was basically like eight to eight every day last week. Cause there was a big onsite with like over a hundred people flew in from all over the country. And you're at a new job anyway. And I'm in a new job. So I'm going to yeah. like brushing shoulders and, you know, got to suck up to the right people and all that. And then yeah. you had some unexpected changeover with the higher ups at your job that right. also made it. So you had to be in some bigger planning things and you guys launched a new product at your work a couple of weeks ago. And so that involves late nights and it has just been a wild, wild ride. And, and, and the moral of this wild ride, wild ride for you guys, the listeners is that I don't, I don't know if you heard what we just said there. None of y'all are paying us enough that we can make our own wild ride. We still have to be passengers on the wild ride of real jobs. Yes, we do not. We are. We do not get to be. Does Mister Mister Toad is not the uh, he's not the driver of his own ride? I don't think. But right. we, uh, you know, we are not. We are the passengers on this ride very much still because we are pre rich and. Um, but if you would, as we give a plug here, uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, we are doing a giveaway of Randy Gunn, who is a supporter of the show. He is a VIP Hellion. Um, he has donated some artwork. So he is on his own wild ride and he is a professional artist as a painter and he does that full time. That's his thing. And he is a painter and he has donated um, either you can choose from stuff that he has up for sale on his site or do like a small commission um, from him. And he wanted to, after listening to our interview with Andre in Ukraine, he wanted to um, donate some art to that. So if you go to our tip jar and buy us a steak and we will put the, I'll put this all in the show notes um, that, in, you know, we said one entry is $5 or five entries for $20. Uh, we are going to be doing a drawing uh, this weekend. So we're going to let it run through this Friday um, for everyone to enter. And then we will see um, who the lucky winner is. And I will be sending everything over to Andre. Um, so Jeff, we do have a little bit of an agenda, but first we did ask a couple weeks ago on the server, on the discord, what people wanted to hear, right? Like, or, or what they what they wanted from us. And a, the resounding thing was the return of Quarantine Kitchen, which back when we started this and we had no idea if football was even going to be played in that glorious 2020 season, Quarantine Kitchen was a staple of, right? Of what we were, we were just trying to fill time as two fat guys who only, the only two things we know how to talk about are sports and food. And now in the middle of this off season, it's May we're coming up. I think I, this might actually be our two year anniversary I think um, it is, this actually. week. It was sometime in May of 2020. We've been doing this for two years and you know, there's uh, you know, there's, we got to see um, 
what's going on in the quarantine kitchen. So Jeff, what have you made in the last week? Oh man, honestly, I haven't made a ton because of the craziness that you just described. I've eaten out a lot. I did make for Mother's Day though, just a quick chicken parm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't think we need to delve into the details. Everybody kind of knows how to make chicken parm, but it's always solid. And so if you haven't made chicken parm in a while, make a chicken parm and you'll probably, I mean, you're not going to like write a book about it, but you're going to eat that meal and feel pretty good. Chicken parm, solid. Yeah, you can't, you won't hate, you won't hate the chicken parm for sure. Um, The... It, I do I haven't had or made chicken parm in a long time, but I do have a chicken parm recipe that I got from uh, Jason Thompson at USU Jason, who is a uh, amateur chef in his spare time. He always he's always taking time out of his day. I swear he spends like three hours a day cooking because everything he makes is like a masterpiece restaurant like at a fancy he he's got at least two michelin stars um out of his home kitchen that's impressive but um i made this and i posted the recipe it was like a butter it was like called butterfinger lush or something so what this dessert was so the crust was just crushed oreos to mix with butter and then push down into a nine by 13 pan so you're already getting off to a good start there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then the next layer was butterfingers peanut butter cream cheese um cool whip and powdered sugar and then that was all blended together to make like a peanut buttery layer put that down and then there was a layer of taking um like jello instant chocolate pudding but not putting enough, like it was like not putting enough milk in. So it like mixed up, but when you put it on, when it got cold, it almost became like a kind of like a fudge layer, okay. um, but not as dense as a fudge where it was like hard, you know? Cause like sometimes when you eat something with like a chocolate topping, it's like, if the inside is middle, when you try to cut it with your fork, it just pushes everything it out. pushes everything out. No, it was yeah. like that. So it was by just reducing the amount of uh, milk that you were supposed to put in for the pudding, you got like a very clean breaking chocolate layer. And then there was another layer of Cool Whip and then more crushed up Butterfingers on top. So it was kind of like a Butterfinger pie, um, but with more peanut butter and an Oreo crust. And I got to say, Jeff, it was fantastic. It was a hit. It was a hit at the at our Mother's Day, as were the mashed potatoes that I made. So we had tri-tip and mashed potatoes and salad and rolls and this Butterfinger thing. And I got to say, I crushed it on the mashed potatoes. Well done. What do you put in your mashed potatoes? I like to throw in a little bit of ranch with my mashed potatoes. Like a lot of people will put in, you know, extra butter or heavy cream or whatever to make them a little bit more creamy. Uh, I like to do just a little bit of ranch. So not like a ton, yeah, but just enough. I am in the like heavy cream category, except for I don't usually like I don't drink coffee, so I don't keep heavy cream sitting mm. around, right? You're so, also not a basic Utah white girl that puts coffee creamer in their diet coke this is true um which have you tried that yes actually i do have a story related to mother's day about that so Ah. the um i will usually do like so even if you do do put heavy cream in your mashed potatoes take some garlic take some rosemary 
put that in your heavy cream, like chop the garlic, mince the garlic, whatever, mince it, cut up the rosemary, put that in the cream and let that steep on your stove for a little bit. And then what that does, will really- What does steep mean? So steeping, like when you make tea, if you have like a tea bag and you like ah. put it in when it's just sitting there, it's like, it's just sitting in hot liquid to like kind of release some of the oil. So it's instead of just, so it just basically releases all the garlicky and rosemary flavor from those. Gotcha. And so that way it gets mixed everywhere within okay. the potatoes. So since I don't have heavy, have heavy cream, a lot of times I will just use cream cheese and some milk. And then yeah. as the cream cheese melts, you kind of mix those together. You're basically adding more fat into the milk, when, which makes cream, right? So you end up in the same spot. Um, so I do that. And then, so I put those in and then mix. Uh, I, this time I threw some Parmesan cheese in. Mm. So it was, uh, gar it was garlic parm mashed potatoes. Um, so that was wonderful. But I ordered the delivery. I We are heavy, heavy Walmart users at our house with the Walmart plus with the 98 bucks a year for unlimited grocery deliveries. Best yeah. thing I've ever spent money on. Yeah. And the, I, so I ordered everything that I needed for Sunday, Saturday night, knock on the door, open the door. My wife's like, uh, are you having a party? And I was like, what? And I go outside and look and there's cans of soda. There's four cases of water. There's all this stuff. I'm like, uh, this is not ours. So I text the driver and the drivers, and I was like, you put the wrong order. You left us the wrong order. And the driver's like, oh, let me text everybody. Like the driver was trying to be like, let me text everybody else and come back and get it. And what's your address and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, no. So I call Walmart and I'm like, hey, um, they did this. So Walmart said, okay, here's what we're going to do. So Walmart said, you can obviously keep everything that they sent, which that included, there was like 60 bucks of cleaning supplies and there were three bottles of creamer. So that was- oh, so you had your cream. Yeah. So we have creamer. Um, and so it was like, but there was like 60, it was like a hundred and probably $140 worth of groceries. They said, ah. you, can, you can keep all of that. We're going to refund your order and we're going to give you a $25 promo code for the inconvenience. So oh, uh, a lucky I, day. It wasn't, it was an unfortunate, it was a happy little accident as Bob Ross would say. I have a Walmart story where I once got free groceries. I think I might have shared this on this show before. It's called theft when you just well, walk out. It is generally, and that's exactly what happened. I went to the Walmart. I got my groceries. It was close to like $200 worth of groceries. I swiped my card, didn't work. Not declined, just like nothing happened. This was pre-chip days too, so it was an actual swipe. And I kept swiping my card and swiping my card and swiping my card. Nothing happened. Then I swiped my other card and another card. Nothing happened. Something was going on with this particular Walmart, Centerville, Utah. Something was going on with their machine. So poor checker lady calls the customer service manager, whatever, up to the, the thing and says, well, will you look at this? So she comes and says, well, just swipe your card. So I swipe my card again and swipe my card again. I swipe my card probably like 15 times in total. At this point, if these are going through, I'm hitting like velocity limits at, this, at my bank and my card's going to be locked. But nothing has happened. It's just like totally frozen. So the manager, I can only assume that she was like feeling the pressure of I had been at this register for like 10 minutes. There were lines building up. She was supposed to be the expert with all of the answers. She goes over to the receipt machine and I watch her push a couple of buttons and nothing happens. But then she pushes like the paper feeder button 
And she's like, oh, there it goes. And she rips off the receipt and hands it to me. It's a blank piece of paper. And I was like, are you, are you sure it went through? Knowing pretty like 100% that it did not go through. And she says, no, 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 you're good. I was like, are you sure I can go to a different register? No, 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 you're fine. So uh, away I went and my card was never charged. Oh, well, there we go. That's um, on them. You tried. I tried. I tried really hard. Uh, I was in Jackson Hole this last week. And I don't understand Jackson Hole. I get why people go to Yellowstone, right? Like Yellowstone's this major park. There's a ton of crap to do. Wonderful. Have you been to Jackson Hole? I assume you have. I kind of assume everybody in Utah. I've been to Jackson Hole. Okay. All it is is that block. It's like a square. You get your pictures with the antlers, and then you probably walk and buy a T-shirt. They have some pretty decent restaurants, but that's all that Jackson Hole is. Now, there's lots of things to do outside of Jackson Hole. Grand Teton National Park is cool. In the summer, they have all of their rafting and their rapids and their whatever. Yellowstone's only like an hour away. So there's lots of like things to do, but it's kind of like saying, oh my gosh, I love going to Cedar City because Zion's is an hour away. And yeah. St. George is an hour away, right. or however long. I don't get the lure of Jackson Hole at all. Other than that one block, once you get the picture with the antler arch, Jackson Hole's kind of done. Everything else that's cool is done outside of Jackson Hole. So why does Jackson Hole get this reputation of being this dope-ass town when in reality, it's just a block and a few restaurants? I don't get it. That, you know, that's a good point. I, I'm not a fan. Like, I don't know. I care, honestly, like West Yellowstone is nicer to me than Jackson Hole because it's yeah. cheaper and it's still, it's just the same thing. Right. And there's a ton, like go to Island Park. You could get the same rafting experience. You probably get better fishing. You get, uh, you don't get the Tetons, but you get like great views, great environment, whatever. Like there's just so many places to go. Like if you're going up in that area, I feel like there's so many places that aren't Jackson Hole that are better. Not because like the cities themselves are, you know, better. They're all kind of the same, but you can get kind of the same with like a third of the people and half of the cost. So why would you go to the more expensive, more populated kind of the same city? Yeah. I don't get it. It's it's one of those things where it's like, what are you really paying for when this is identical? It's yeah. I honestly I've never understood the allure of St. George to people in Utah either. When people are like, oh, either. let's go to St. George. It's like, what is there to do in St. George? Like, yeah, there's no amazing restaurants in St. George. It's there's the no... same idea, right? Like you go to St. George to go to Zion's or to go to Mesquite or to like visit family, right? Like that's fine. But I also don't understand St. George. My family now lives there. My in-laws live in St. George. So that's great. I could go to St. George. I could see my in-laws. But I I don't, I've never been one of those that's like, oh, the St. George, that's where I'm going this weekend to hang out at the condo and go to the pool. Why? Like there's a billion pools between here and St. George. Why don't you stop at any one of them? Yeah. It's very strange. I have another thing that bugs me. This isn't a, a what bugs us episode, but I'm getting really tired of people asking for the status of players like Isaac Rex and Keenan Peely and Peyton Wilgar 
You know how many times I've been asked the question of like, what are you hearing about their health? Nothing, guys, nothing. Like absolutely nothing. I, we, we all know what Kalani has said, that they are hoping to be ready for fall camp. At this point, there is enough time between today and the start of fall camp that like, even if they're 100% on track to help them prosperity, something could happen in the next 90 days that sets them back. Or the opposite, right? Like if they're in this situation where it's like, eh, it looks bleak, and then all of a sudden something happens, it's like, oh, wow, that extra three weeks of recovery time, you look great, you're going to be ready to go. We have so much time that even doctors are guessing on whether or not players with these severe type injuries that are coming off of major surgeries, even the doctors are guessing when they're going to be healthy. And it totally just depends because everybody's body is different, right? Like who was, was it Justin Ross, the receiver? Was he the one at Clemson that got yeah. hurt, hurt yeah, in spring yeah, ball, yeah. then played week two of the season? And then there's other guys where it's like, oh, you're out for a year because the way your body responds is just not, right? Just not the same. Yeah, it's exactly right. And I, I just don't know. I don't know what... I don't know what people are looking for. Like they haven't been cleared if that's what the question is, but also I don't know that they've gone and said, Hey, doctors and coaches, am I cleared? Because they are 90 days away from football activities. So like, I'm just struggling with other than they're on track to be ready for fall camp. I don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. They don't know. Doctors don't know. And nobody knows at this point. And so that's something that bugs me. Another thing that bugs me, this is turning into a what bugs me episode. Uh, and we've, I've ranted about this in various forums over the years. I don't know that I've ever brought it to this forum. I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the show. And if we have, it's our two-year anniversary. So yeah, maybe is, we're recycling we released, takes a little bit. We released our first episode on May 14th, 2020. So Saturday. Congratulations Sunday, to us, whatever. by the way. It takes dedication and hard work to two years of a podcast. It's true. Mo the average podcast, I've read a thing. It was like seven episodes is how far they make it. Oh. In. And, and when they don't make it big time, they're like, oh, we, they get upset. Well, we're still not big time, but here we are for you, our loyal listeners. Another thing that bugs me is you have sources, right? Like you occasionally get the uh, inside information fed to you. How often is it that like something will happen and then somebody is just chomping at the bit to call Garrett and say, Garrett, hey, let me tell you some inside information. Mm, never. It doesn't happen. Like you kind of have to pry. You kind of have to get it. And so I'm kind of getting tired and maybe it's on me, right? Like we have our discord channel where we get, we, you know, we have a Q and a thread. We answer a lot of questions. We do this over our Cougar sports insider and have for a few years. I get it. We try to be these insiders, but like I've been the first one to say that I'm not an insider. I just know people who are right. And it's just interesting. Like the way that people think information flows from, you know, wherever it happens to the leaks, to the journalists, to the us, like it's, it's very intriguing. And I think we're going to uncover a little bit of what that flow, like that waterfall looks like when we talk with Robbie in the special episode. So if you want to hear me rant about this a little bit more, you're going to want to tune into that episode because we're going to, we're going to, what is the word? 
we're going to pull the curtain back, right? A little bit into how some of this media nonsense comes to be. It's I'm honestly really excited. And that's part of the reason that we made the interview with Robbie is going to be a VIP interview is because of said nonsense. Right. Yep. And it has to be. It has to be. Uh, another thing that bothers me, Garrett, I've got a lot of things that bug me this week. Another thing that is bothering me. Well, maybe I should stop because I can, I could take this two different directions. I could say what bothers me, or I can say the good, the rivalry is, is nuts. There's a thread on Cougar sports insider right now that what happens is if that, when you, when you write an article on 24 seven sports, you can tag which teams are affiliated with that article and what forums you need to post that article to. And occasionally a national writer will cover a story for a big recruit. And that writer or that, that writer will just put like multiple forums in one thread. So when it happened or when it's a, a Utah, like a recruit, like in this case, it's Smith Snowden, who's being recruited by both BYU and Utah. When those threads get posted as like open threads on both the BYU site and the Utah site, it invariably ends up into some, you know, rivalry banter nonsense back and forth. Right. And the rivalry, that aspect of the rivalry drives me crazy. Just the recycled arguments that they're like, oh, well, we're better. No, we're better. No, we're better because of Heisman. No, we're better because of recent, like blah, blah, blah. It's all the same arguments, very predictable. So that bothers me. Uh, But maybe I should take this a different way to try to wrap this show up on a positive note. Um, I have always believed that the media... And I use that really loosely because I don't think I'm a media. We're fan fluencers. That's what we call ourselves forever. We're not really media. But the influential people have a lot more control of the rivalry like level, I guess, than I think that most people realize. So we'll take my buddy, Steve Bartle, as an example. Like BYU fans hate Steve Bartle, right? Like they always have. I love Steve because of – a lot of reasons that go way back before I even really cared about BYU. Uh, so you'll never hear me say anything negative about Steve, but BYU fans hate Steve. You know, he, he pokes the rivalry bear and, and he does it, I think, intentionally sometimes. I think sometimes he does it by accident, but it happens and, and it causes the reaction that you would expect it to cause. Steve Bartle, I, I learned this and maybe we could talk to Robbie about this. Steve Bartle, I think, has turned a leaf. He has reached out to some of the people. I don't know if he would like me to share like the details, but he has reached out to some people to say, hey, I appreciate what you do. People like Robbie. I appreciate what you do. You work hard. I respect your work. And Steve, over the last few months, has kind of changed his tone on how he's handling the rivalry and how he's handling BYU in general, right? Because so much of it is like, it's not even about the rivalry. It's just about your rival. And he's kind of changed his tone. And he and I were talking about it the other day that, you know what, if, if we can lead that charge, then maybe we can make a difference. It's not going to take away all the craziness of rivalry, but maybe it takes away some, right? And, and so maybe that's the good news that I want to end this on. While the rivalry nonsense and the constant measuring is super annoying, 
we have the ability to change this. And it starts with anybody who can hear my voice. And it may not seem like it makes a difference, but I'm telling you, if Steve Bartle is reaching out and saying, hey, guys, I respect the hell out of your BYU coverage. You guys do really, really good work. I think if, I mean, if Steve can, can do that, then any of us could do that because Steve has That's no true. reason. Steve has no reason at this point. Like his reputation among BYU fans is already is what it is. They're never going to change their mind. Uh, BYU fans have decided that he is a rivalry baiting, uh, you know, jerk, awful journalist, hack, whatever. They've all said all the things. And those of you who are listening have said all of those things too. I've heard all of them. He has zero motivation to like say, hey, guys, I respect what you're doing for BYU. You guys kill it. Keep, I, keep going. But if he can do that, why can't we all look at our own rivalry selves and say, you know what? Maybe I can do a little bit better too. Because Max was right, and I hate oh! the he saw, and I hate everything about them. I hate even the fans, Max, I hate the coaches. Max, Chris even Burgess Max is has had he has had a, a change of heart. Um, I mean, he hates some of them, like the one dude with the shirt. Yeah, that dude. But that uh, dude, I don't, I don't hate him because he's a Utah fan. I hate him because he's an asshole. Uh, yeah, which I did look at his, uh, I did look at his Twitter account the other day, and that guy's a, that guy's a dickhead. Is he still a dickhead? Uh, he's still locked, but he changed his uh, avatar on Twitter to be him wearing some. Uh, it's like him showing off that he is sitting inside of a private jet. He's a. Or, He's a tool. We should just start referring to him as DeWalt. He's DeWalt. DeWalt. He's yeah. DeWalt. Okay. He is the tool. It's Jeff, it has been a good, quick episode. Robbie is waiting for us. So we are going to stop recording on this, bring him on. And if you'd like to hear the second half of this episode, then sign up. Then you'll get it. access to it and it will hit your inbox. And with that, you Jeff, will- give him hell. Give him hell.